Today, we will be concluding our series called Rethinking the Church. And salamat sa gracias sa Gino for sustaining each one of us nga makalahutay judtaaning a series for almost three months nga pag-study nato about the church. And I just want to thank you all for your for dedicating your time, your effort, and and even your money nga para lang maminaw Sunday after Sunday sa itong online services. Thank you so, so much. And I don't know how have you experienced the Lord and applied what you've been learning so far. But I hope kaninga series is nakatabang jun sa muhat to shape your view about the church and nag-encourage pud sa muhang kasing-kasing to really s- continue serving the Lord and His people by being part of the church. Now, we have already talked about the church as a body and um, in the past two months, kapin, we focus on the, excuse me, we focus on the features sa human body, talking about the skeleton, um, referring to the non-negotiable truths we need to embrace, and then the internal system, which is about the heart attitudes or spiritual attitudes that gives life to the church. And then we move to the muscles and flesh, talking about the outward activities or, or the functions or ministries that we need to prioritize in the church. Now, this time, I want to conclude the series by talking about the head of the church. I believe that we would all agree that no body would be complete without a head, right? I I mean, try to imagine it. We cannot really imagine because it's not possible for, for a body not to have a head. So in this part, I want us to learn from the Word of God um, about the head of the body, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the headship of Jesus Christ is clearly expressed in Scripture. You know, the apostle says it three times in the book of Ephesians. And let me read Ephesians 1, 22-23. And God placed un. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Ephesians 4.15 Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Ephesians 5.23 For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. So, um, what does this word head mean? What does this mean? You know, what is the definition and function of a head? Now, the Greek word that we find in the verses we just read earlier is called um, kephalai, right? Kephalai, which is used both literally and figuratively in the scriptures. Literally, it is used of the physical head of a man or an animal. We all know what and where our head is physically, right? It is that thing at the top sa ang body that makes everything happen. It is the source of our intellect. It is the source of our um, activity and thought. Therefore, if you want to have a living body, you need to have a head. And metaphorically speaking, it denotes that which is supreme or has supreme authority. Just So just like the head that leads and guides the body, and so is Jesus. He is the directing head, the source of power and authority. And what I will do today is to prove to you why Jesus must be the head of the church. Now, importante ni nato masabtan because you and I have a problem with authority. You know, script, scripture makes it clear for us that um, the nature of man's first sin in Eden— uh, was his quest to be like God, knowing good and evil. That's in Genesis 3. Adam and Eve wanted to be like God, and all sin is a consequence of that first sinful desire to, to think, to speak, and act as gods. Although God changed our hearts as Christians, but naagyabuntay presence of the sinful nature within us that wanted to be like God, to be the authority who decides what matters for ourselves. In fact, the reason sahay division and quarreling and envy and gossip or sin of comparison and any other sins, the church, because of this root issue, the issue of pride, we want to be the authority. We want to elevate ourselves and prove that we are better than others. So pride has been called the it's the sin from which all others arise. So for the rest of the time we have now, hopefully this 
um, message will really break the pride in your hearts and you will be convinced that Jesus alone, he alone must be the sole authority in our lives and collect, not just individually, but collectively as the body of Christ because of who he is and what he has done. So let's dive in. Here's my first point. Jesus is the head because he is the sovereign ruler of his church. In Ephesians 1, 22-23, let me read again. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So we know that we are God's church, right? And as his church, he alone, God alone, has the right to appoint someone to be the sole authority of his church. And Paul clearly reminds us here that God subjected everything under Christ's feet or Jesus' feet. Now, to put or subdue under one's feet means to make subject to someone. It's a military figure meaning to line up under or place or rank under. And it says in the text that he appointed Jesus to be the head. Now, headship, by definition, as I've said earlier, it includes authority over the body. The head of the body is its source of power or authority. It is this, the throne of a supreme government. You know, it is from the brain that the mandate is issued. You know, man walks or speaks, and bring it down, and it's the reason and we can move the different parts sa ang body because um, according to the dictate of the brain, which finds a place for itself within our head. So the point is, Christ is the sovereign head or ruler of his church. But what does it mean for us now? How does he exercise his rule over his church? Now, there are three main ways um, he exercises his rule, and these are interconnected lungs. So first is through his word. Now, we Christians believe that the Bible is um, the very word of God. You know, the, the it the Bible is to be the word of God and, and the eternal source of truth we live by. It should govern our lives. It must be the basis of our faith and practices because Jesus said in the Great Commission, he commanded us to teach all that he taught his disciples and all the words of the Bible that he affirmed as inspired scripture. You know, his words should govern our lives because it is by his words that he commands, he he limits, he corrects, and guides his people. And in, in other words, how are we to submit to Jesus and acknowledge his authority over us? It's through total submission and obedience sa iyahang pulong. Now, when Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, he actually expressed a deep sense of gratitude for the believers in that city. Um, because the Christians in Thessalonica encouraged the apostle by the way they responded to the word of God. Here's their response. And in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of man, but as it actually is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. So Paul was really grateful, grateful for the way the Thessalonians received the word of God because they didn't receive it as the word of man, but it is the very word of God. It's the authoritative word of God. So, and Paul, makita natin sa text, Paul contrasted the word of God with the word of man as the word of man simply does not really carry the same weight as the word of God, right? You know, when we hear someone or when we hear the word of man, we have to consider things first, you know, including whether or not it is good or bad or wise or unwise bana or important or unimportant or relevant bana or irrelevant. However, when we hear the very word of God from, from the scripture, we do not need to question him or his judgments. Rather, when we receive God's word, we know that it's always good, it's always right, it's wise, it's important, it's relevant. In other words, we treat God's word as authoritative. In his systematic theology, Wayne Grudem writes, and he said this, The authority of Scripture means that all the words in the Scripture are God's words in such a way that to disbelieve or disobey any word of Scripture is to disbelieve 
or disobey God. I know for some of us, struggle kay nato ni. We naturally desire to rule ourselves, right? In our pride, we often think that we know what's best. Every time madunga nato ang pulun sa ginoon, the Holy Spirit convicts us, maybe to obey or confess or surrender something. Sometimes we we don't really listen. We ignore God's word and do our own way. But we have to remember this: that disobedience to God's word is actually disobedience to His rule or authority over our lives. If you truly believe that Jesus is the sovereign ruler and that he rules through his words from the scripture, that he is far above any rulers or powers or authorities, including you who wanted to be the ruler of your life sometimes, then you and I need to have an attitude of humility and place God's word above atong preferences and comfort. We don't have the freedom, you know, to pick and choose what applies to us. But we joyfully and humbly submit to God's word to demonstrate that God is in charge of our lives and we are not. And as, and as a collective body of Christ, we really desire, um, we want to place a high value sa word. Sige no, nga maoy mag-shape sa itong understanding on how we view Him, uh, how we view ourselves in the light of who God is, how we view sin and other doctrines in the Bible and make it practical as much as possible to apply it in our lives. And that's what we are doing now in this series. We let God's word speak to us about what God wants His church to be and do. So that's the first way. Um, God rules through His Word. So the second way is through His Spirit. Now, here's the thing. If you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were not just saved and forgiven from your sins and wala lang ka ma made holy before the, before God because of Jesus, but you also received the Holy Spirit in your life. Romans 8, 9 Paul says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So, claro kayo dere, Paul makes it clear to his readers that Christians living in Rome, that if they truly belong to Jesus or saved, they have the Spirit of God in them. And if someone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he or she does not really belong to Christ. That's his simple logic. You know, God gives His Holy Spirit to every Christian. Without the, the Spirit in, uh, dwelling in us, we are not really Christians. So if you are a Christian now, the Holy Spirit, believe this, the Holy Spirit is living in you. But why do we need to have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us? Well, Daghaya roles and Holy Spirit in our lives. And let me just mention some. First is, the Holy Spirit guides us to the truth. Then, the Holy Spirit convicts us. In John 16, 8, verse 8. Next, the Holy Spirit allows us to bear righteous fruit. You know, the fruits of the Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit imparts spiritual gifts. And the Holy Spirit comforts us. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to witness and so on. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think you can live your life apart from the work and power of the Holy Spirit? No, it's impossible. And hear me, just because you have the Holy Spirit in you as a Christian, it doesn't mean that you automatically live like it. No, each day you have to make a decision to to um, either let the Spirit lead you or teach you or guide you and empower you. Or walk by your own will or according to your flesh. But Jesus wants us. He desires for us to live and walk in the Spirit every day. There's a purpose why He has to send the Holy Spirit as promised by the Father. You know, He wants us to be fruitful inwardly. That we are bearing the fruits of righteousness. The fruits of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And also outwardly that we influence people in our lives for the gospel. So that His kingdom will, ad will advance. Many people will come under His rule and reign. And even as you plan, you make decisions and ambitions in, in your life, and as you allocate resources, as, as you do your job, you do everything with the, with the power of the Holy Spirit. We never do anything apart from the Spirit's influence at our lives and uh, with the guidance put sa pulong sa gino, because the Word of God and the Spirit of God goes hand in hand. So, Jesus wants us to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit sa toang kinabuhi. And lastly, Christ exercises His rules sa church through godly leaders. Now, 
we believe that Christ himself is the chief shepherd. And we will talk about him, that he is really the good shepherd. Okay? But he delegates also the shepherding role with the leaders who are also called to shepherd. He is the supreme authority. That's what we've been learning now. But he also delegated authority to human leaders. But they are to rule under his command and direction. So this means that God does not only directs us personally through his word and his spirit, but he also directs us through his delegated authorities. And some examples, sa Mga delegated authorities are parents, our teachers, police officers, government officials, and in our church, you know, he appointed pastors or elders with the assistance sa mga deacons or sa, sa mga ministry leaders and small group leaders. And we are called to submit to the authorities. Romans 13.1 says, let every person be subject to go the governing, uh, governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by whom? By God himself. So, although this focuses on the leaders in the government, but we get a general principle here that every authority in the world, every institution, okay, sa, diri sa kalibutan, was established by God himself. There is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been appointed or instituted by him, according to Romans 13. So if we resist authorities, we are in effect resisting God's own authority. Now, ako naman ni emphasize nga points sa second part sa atong series about spiritual authority, if ma-remember pa ninyo. But this is just a reminder for all of us that your obedience to the authorities in our context of church, to the Christian leaders, it shows your submission to Jesus' authority who appointed these leaders in the church. But it is important for natong masabdan that no pastors or any gifted teachers has authority outside sa pulong sa ginoo. They operate within the boundaries of God's written word because we believe as Christians that the word of God has all we need for our life, for our practices, and our faith, as 2 Timothy 3.16-17 says, right? So, if someone preaches to you outside the words that you know, if naimuingon sa mga that they have the new revelation from the Lord, nga dili ganit makita ni mo sa scripture, or if someone tells you that he is the son of God, <laughs> don't believe it, okay? Even sa mga mga preachers, right? Gracias sa ginoo, we do our best to present God's word faithfully and accurately, but if nakamakita nga error in our teachings, fall free. Okay, feel free to to talk to us. We're open for rebuke and correction. Okay? So Jesus is the head because, because of who he is. He is the supreme ruler, far above all the powers, rulers, and authorities in this world. He has the right to govern. Um, and we are to place ourselves under the authority of his word with the power and leadership of the Holy Spirit through his appointed leaders as his representatives to carry out his rule. All right, so that's the first point. And my second point is this. He is the savior of his church. So Jesus' absolute authority over his church is expressed in his once and for all sacrifice on the cross. Ephesians 5.23. So this is Paul's instruction to husband and wives roles, but we get a principle here why Jesus should be the authority over his church. It says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the savior. So, Christ is the Savior of His church. And what did He do to be the Savior of His church? Let's jump to verses 25 to 27. Husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. So we see Jesus gave Himself up for His church. He, Jesus loved the church so much that He gave up His life for her sake. And He didn't just give up His life for the church without a purpose, but the purpose is this, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word, and to present her to Himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So to be holy means to be set apart unto God. So He gave Himself up to own us, to make us his own. As theologian um, John A.D. 
commented on this verse. He said, The idea is that Christ might consecrate her, or the, his bride, the church, or set her apart to himself as his own redeemed and peculi peculiar possession that he should be his and his alone. So, Jesus died so that we become his purchased possession, but it cost his own life to do that. You know, he gave up his life. He shed his own blood on their cross for us to be his own. In fact, um, in Acts 20, 28, the apostle on the, on the eve of his departure from Ephesus gathered the elders together and encouraged them to do something. And he said this, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock um, of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Wow, that's an amazing description of the church, right? The church is a blood-bought church, right? The verse tells us here that the church of God, that, that every member of the church has been bought with the price of the blood of his own son jesus purchased a people for his own possession by his own blood and we understand the nature of possessions right what a possession is we, when we purchase something we expect to take possession of it we we own it uh, no no longer does it belong to the seller right we we think that these are my possessions because i bought it and the bible says that christ has paid the price for us he bought us. He owns us. He, we belong to him now. And he is now our possessor or the master. So all that to say, my point is this. Christ's headship over us as his church is established in the fact that he alone paid his own blood as the price to remove our sins so that we could return into his possession. Brothers and sisters, I know we understand that we were once slaves to sin, slaves to death, to darkness and the devil. But when we believe in Jesus, his blood bought us, you know, back so we can no longer have, we can no longer have to be slaves of sin anymore. And here's the thing. If Jesus is the only savior because he alone delivered us from the consequences of sin by willingly giving himself up on the cross and bought us by his own precious blood so that we can be his possession and he as our master, why would we follow anyone else, right? All other religious um, all other religions exhort man to reach up to God by by their own efforts so that sa ilang pagpaningkamot, you know, it can take away their sins or some, somehow mabayran nila ilang kapakyasan. You, you know, other religions promote that, that you do something para pasailuan ka sa ginoon. But only Christianity says that God reached down to man, provided a solution to the problem of sin through Jesus by dying on the cross and paid the full payment of our debt to God because of our sin. That's amazing. No other religion tells you that. No one else in the history of the world and ever will be who is capable and qualified to do what Jesus has done. Therefore, the complete saving work of Jesus um, that could not be performed by anyone gives us a reason to acknowledge his headship or leadership over us as his church. Now, para sa implication, Annie, let's consider Paul's rebuke of the division that existed in the church of Corinth. Now, the Corinthian church is one of the most problematic uh, churches in the New Testament. There are mga issues kasimbahan, and that Paul was addressing. And one of those issues kay ang division. So, and here's the cause sa ilahang division. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. That's in 1 Corinthians 1.12. So, makita dato that the church at Corinth has divided into competing factions. You know, with each fac fac faction supporting a different teacher or authority. And if you notice, Christ was reg being regarded as only one of the teachers and others are equal with him. And so this resulted sa kagubot and quarreling leading to disunity sa congregation. So, and so Paul asked them this, these questions to highlight Iham displeasure towards this church. He asked, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? So Paul made clear to them that Christ was not divided. 
Christ is the head of the church and the head is one. And the body should be one as well on whom to follow or where to put their allegiance. And that is on Jesus alone, not on any human teachers. Why? Because the text tells us that Paul acknowledged that it was Christ who made them or who made their salvation possible by being crucified for them. And it was Christ um, who, whose name they had been baptized. So Paul tells them that Christ remains the head of the church. Christians, uh, Christian leaders are not. The Christian leaders didn't die for any child of God, including himself. Paul didn't die for them. Only Jesus was crucified for them. And sa ilang baptism, they made a public testimony to their loyalty to Jesus Christ and placed themselves under His authority alone. And they must stick in doing that. So that's what that's what uh, Paul is trying to say here. So the problem of division in Corinth had to do with their confused allegiance. You know, in other words, they were following after man, not Christ. And malarin atodria that as believers, our allegiance is to Christ alone. Not to man, not to any preachers, not to whoever baptized you, not to whoever meant a lot in your life. Yes, of course, you can acknowledge and you can appreciate the, the spiritual authority over your life. You know, their teaching and inline example on how they take, took care of you, how they discipled you. But don't ever put them on a pedestal that Jesus deserves to be put. Don't ever put them in his place. For us today, this means that preachers or any teachers are not to be idols. But sometimes, you know, popular religious leaders today are exalted. People value their word uh, more than God's word. Ako aning tawagon nga pastor said syndrome. You know, pastor said syndrome. Kay maoning gingon pastor, therefore tama ni siya. Whatever the pastor said is the law. My pastor is the sole interpreter of the scripture and their interpretation is final. And no one should contradict. And if anyone gani mo disagree sa ilang leader nga ginafollow, instead of having this healthy argument or healthy conversation and do, doing it in the spirit of love and gentleness, makigaway na dayon, makiglalis na dayon. Or idolizing someone also happens when we try to pick and choose kinsa rato ang paminawan, mag-ask dayon ta, kinsa man ang um, magwali karon or kinsa man ang mag-facilitate sa atong small group tonight. And if dili nga ni katong um, paborito nato ang mag-lead or magwali um, sa words sa gino, o dili na tayong tagganahan. But, but let me ask you a question. Does it really matter? You know, does it really matter? Are you coming because of this person or that person? Or is it because you'll have the opportunity to know Jesus through this servant na yahang gamiton? Or perhaps um, this idolizing Mahitabunisha when when we think that this leader is better than that leader, that you elevate the other person and look down on the other. So Mao actually Mao ni ang problema sa Corinth, you know. Um, people said if I follow this leader, I feel better because this leader is better than the other. To the point nga kaninga mga leaders ka equal na ni Jesus. Jesus was regarded only as one of the teachers in the church. That's why Paul asked this question or these questions to help them realize that if there is one to be followed, it is Jesus alone. So the point is this. Believers do not owe their allegiance to their preachers and leaders, but they owe their allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is also a reminder for all of us leaders, kami na mga pastors, and including you, uh, small group leaders and ministry team leaders. Our goal when we teach God's, God's Word is to always point listeners to Christ. In the way we lead and feed them, they, they must be fed by His Word because it's the only way that people will come to know Jesus more, not by our own human wisdom and principles. And also in the way we live our lives, we need to always point people to Jesus Christ. That people, as they look up on us at ang example, they will say, I want to be loving like Jesus because kuya or ate showed it to me. Or I want to be a committed follower of Jesus despite sa mga struggles because na-bless ko sa example sa, ato, sa akong leader. Kanindot, ana, paminawan, right? Nga dili kita makita, nga dili sila muingon, I want to be like kuya or ate kay maayo kaayo na siya nga murag kita ang na-exalt ba ug sabayan ba jud nato og 
ta bitaw tama jud ka ina imbis nga acknowledge nato nga gracia sa Ginoo tanan na glory to me naman noon di na glory to God but that's not what we want that's not our aim ang atong aim is makita sa mga tao and that we are leading si, si Jesus ato ang example that um would lead them to follow him more and exalt Jesus more sa ilahang kinabuhi. So, division happens um, or will happen when preachers and teachers are held as idols. But unity only comes when we are centered on Christ alone, not on others, because he alone died for us and deserving sa ito ang allegiance. So, Christ is the head because he alone is our Savior. And the last reason we must be... Uh, The last reason why he must be the head is this. Jesus is the good shepherd of his church. Now, the Bible teaches us that God has not left us to live the Christian life on our own. You know, Jesus didn't save you from your sins and then say to you, okay, um, live your life on your own now. Go do the best that you can. Go live the Christian life. No, the Bible teaches us that Jesus is the ultimate good shepherd but what does a shepherd do All right and this is what we will look at in john 10 11 to 15 now in this passage we see clearly that we see clearly what makes jesus the good shepherd and he gives us three marks in this text on what makes him a good shepherd and first he lays down his life for his sheep and then he knows his sheep and thirdly he conquers death for his sheep so let's look at the first one right he lays down his life for his sheep now jesus is the good shepherd first of all because he lays down his life for the sheep look at verse 11 jesus said i am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep now i want you to notice this notice that jesus didn't say simply say give his life for the sheep but he said he laid his life He laid his life down for, for his sheep. There is something very personal and intentional about what Jesus did here. Laying one's life down for another is as if you hold your own life in your hands and then you purposely lay it down. In other words, Jesus willingly and voluntarily lay down his life for his people. Verses 12 to 13, it says, The hired hand, now in context, I mean, this refers to the religious leaders of Jesus' day who instead of serving, protecting, and caring for the flock, they were actually serving self. Okay, So the hired, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. Verse 13, the man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So Jesus is comparing his role as a good shepherd here to false religious uh, leaders in his day and in in this in this passage he acknowledged that yes the religious leaders provide a certain level of spiritual leadership but they run away when faced with personal loss or risk you know these hired hands don't actually care for the sheep you know or for the sheep's sake they only care for for what the sheep can do for them and in contrast jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep he not only risks his life for the sheep but he willingly voluntarily lays down his life for them and there was a nai reason there was a different reason why jesus laid down his life and that is to give us abundant life if we read back to john 10:10 10, it says the thief now in context this refers to the false teachers in the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy i have come that they may have life and have it to the full so jesus came to give us life and have it abundantly through this voluntary death on the cross now abundant life does not refer to material things but it's about the spiritual abundance that it's not pointing to to having an abundance of material goods but rather to the soul satisfaction that comes when you know that the lord is your shepherd You know that he loves you. You know that um, he cares for you and never he will never abandon you. He gives you joy, hope, and peace in troubled times. He goes with you even through the valley of the shadow of death. He cares for you and provides what you really need. And we can really be assured that his promise of abundant life is true because he even gives us what we deeply need. And that is the salvation of our souls. Made possible by laying his down. By laying his life down 
for us voluntarily so that we could have life in him. And I want you to imagine something now, okay? Imagine you were you were given the option of saving one's life by taking their place. Would you do it? You know, would you lay down your life for the sake of others? Now, if the person to be saved was a family member, perhaps buhato nato ni, di ba? But what if a stranger or a casual acquaintance or how about an enemy? Would you lay down your life sa ilaha? Now, probably wala mo buhat nato ana. But how about Jesus? Now, Romans 5, 6-7, it says, You see, at just, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die, right? But here's the thing. God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's good news. Jesus died for the ungodly, for his enemies. So he didn't really die for innocent and obedient sheep like you and me. No, scripture tells us clearly that we are like sheep who have gone astray, yet our shepherd pursued us. We were stubborn like sheep and can get easily lost because we tend to go our own way, yet Jesus came and found us. We were helpless, but Jesus came to our rescue. We were destined for destruction, yet Jesus gave up his, his life by laying it down to rescue undeserving sinners, stubborn people, his enemies, to give us eternal life. The question now is this, will we lay down our lives for him? Will we live for him? And we should forever be thankful to the one who laid down his life for each one of us. Life should be lived in a worshipful attitude to, to the Lamb of God who was slain for us. So the second mark on what makes him the good shepherd is this. He knows his sheep. Verse four, verses 14 to 15, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and my sheep knows me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I laid down my life for the sheep. He said it again. Now, para masabta nato ni, uh, we have to know that ancient shepherds, they spent a large amount of time with their flocks, you know, from the moment nga bago pa sila gianak. And they even named their sheep and they would call them individually. because And because of this, ang mga sheep nila were so familiar sa ilang voice. You know, they were familiar to the voice of their shepherd. And only theirs alone, right? Sheep would ignore or even flee from the voice of a stranger because they know their shepherd's voice. So when Jesus said, I know my sheep, he was actually um, t- saying to us that he knows us individually and intimately. There are, we are not anonymous, you know. In fact, Jesus even compares this knowing and being known to his relationship with God the Father. You know, God the Father and Jesus the Son know and love each other in perfect harmony. The relationship between the Father and the Son and even the Holy Spirit is the most intimate of all relationships. So just as the Son knows the Father intimately, He knows us intimately as well. He knows who you are, church. He knows everything about you. He knows your deepest thoughts, your silent longings, victories, even your secret shames in life. Life. He knows it all, and yet He still loves you. He loves you so much that He died for you. And if you notice, Jesus repeats the first part again when He said, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, and I lay down my life for them. So here's the implication, Annie, brothers and sisters. No matter on sa mga lies ang ingon sa muha, sa muhang self, or sa uban na tao sa muha, you may hear voices that you are a failure, you are filthy, you are a loser, wala na pulos. But if Jesus as our shepherd knows the reality of your life and he knows who you are to the core, including your flaws, yet he still loves you, we can really find comfort and a truth. And we can base our identity on how he calls us and how he sees us, that in Christ we are loved, we are forgiven, we are pursued, we are precious in the Father's eyes, not based sa atong own judgment, sa atong self, or unsang sa uban. 
we base our identity on what on how God sees us in Christ. And if Jesus knows everything about you, then no matter on life karon, he knows what you're going through, why you are going through it, and how you feel about it. You can cast your cares on him because he cares so much for you. You are his sheep and dilika anonymous sayaha. And as his sheep, we also have come to the knowledge on, on how good he is when we first come to know Jesus until now, right? When we were born again, you know, we we the spirit came into our lives and we can sense that not sense not to what God likes or what he dislikes and how he feels about things when we walk in the spirit. Each day as we open God's word, we can know the Lord and follow him as the sheep listens to his voice. We experience his guidance when we inquired Sayaha as we make decisions in life. We felt his presence when we are in pain and we need his comfort, you know. We experience ang joy amidst the suffering in satong life. At some point satong life, he allowed us to experience that, that peace that surpasses understanding even in times of fear and anxiety. And he even gives us material blessings as well when we are in need. You and I, you and I know how good a shepherd he is. And what a good place to be under the leadership of this shepherd who knows you and loves you best, right? And he's inviting us to really come and follow him for he is a good shepherd. And the third mark is this. He conquers death for the sheep. Now let's jump to verse verses 17 to 18. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. Verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down for my from of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. Wow, what a powerful shepherd Jesus is. He has in control over everything, even over his death and his resurrection. This command I received from my father. Yes, a good shepherd um, lays down his life for his own sheep. And yes, a good shepherd knows his sheep. But no common shepherd could ever conquer that for his sheep, right? Once ang usaka shepherd laid down his life for the sheep, that shepherd's life was over. And he could no longer take care of his own sheep and mabi ananiya. But not so with Jesus. He is an amazing and a powerful, good shepherd. Jesus says that the reason my father loves um, my, my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. That is a very remarkable statement. In other words, when Jesus died on the cross, he always had this resurrection in his sights at all times. Christ's death on the cross is never viewed as a defeat, but as a victory, for he would surely rise again, and Jesus knows that. Jesus died in order to rise victorious over sin and death you know jesus conquered death for the sheep and praise the lord you know praise god the gospel does not end with the death of the good shepherd jesus died on the cross but also rose again you know what i read a story about a boy and his father and um they were driving down a country road on a beautiful spring afternoon and right flew in the car window and kaning boy uh, allergic to uh, bee stings, all right? So the father quickly reached out and grab out, grab the bee and squeeze it, and then get release niya. But the stinger sa bee was stuck sa palm sa yung skin. But nahadlog nahadlog niya ang anak uh, because naapa siya madungan ng buzzing sound sa bee kaya naapa man sa sulod gihapon sa ilang car. But then his dad showed him his palm and said this. Um, do you see this? You don't need to be afraid anymore. I've taken this thing for you. Likewise, for us Christians, we do not need to fear death anymore. Christ has died and risen again. Death is the devil's, yes, it's the devil's most powerful, terrifying weapon against us. But Jesus has taken this thing from death. And as believers in Christ, we no longer have a fear of death because in Christ, we have the promise of eternal life. We may experience death physically on earth, but there's hope within our soul rooted in his promise that someday we will experience eternal resurrection, that we will be reunited with him forever. Now, for many of us around the world today, especially those who are deeply affected 
or impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic, this idea or truth of eternal life in Jesus is stronger than death, it might seem unconvincing. You know, with the number of COVID-19 cases that keep on rising every day, napay mga countless deaths um, each day, not to mention the tens and thousands of those who are currently, you know, fighting for their lives right now, napay mga burials without funerals, you know, lonely deaths without the presence of loved ones and friends by their side when they made their last breath. We have hundreds of thousands of grieving families right now around the world who could not really who could not even extend physical support like a hug or an embrace to one another because of the quarantine or social distancing and isolation mandate. You know, people are grieving on their own with no comfort. And this truth that Jesus conquered death may sound too good to be true, but we as Christians, we are convinced that this good news of Jesus' death and resurrection is true, that he conquered death and sin, and therefore we have hope. If death could not hold Jesus down, then death does not have the last say sa atong kinabuhi because one day we know that we will rise with him forever. So Jesus really is the, the true, sh- the good shepherd and um, there's no other. And why is Jesus the good shepherd? He laid down his life for the sheep. He knows his sheep and he conquered death for the sheep so they could also know a victory over sin and death and live forever with him. And you know what? As a church, corporately, um, we can really take comfort in this that God, the good shepherd is shepherding his church, his own flocks. That means uh, when a person who confess that he believe in Jesus, but then and we try to, we try a, our best to reach out this person, pero dili magpa-reach out, we can actually take comfort that if he or she is God's sheep, someday that person will come back to his sheep pen. Yes, we are willing to help those who are in need, but when we are out of resources, we can really surrender and need adding a person to the Lord who is a good shepherd. When faced with major decisions in uncertain times, you know, we can ask the Lord for guidance on his leading um sa ang kinabuhi and sa sa as a church. And you know what? We all can agree that the Lord has been a good shepherd sa as a church. You know, when COVID-19 hit us, wala jud ta about online, you know, church because we used we were used to doing church on site. But amazingly, God gave us wisdom. He provided the resources. He used gifted people to make our online service possible. At first, cell phone pa atong ginagamit mag-record and and usay mag-record sa atong worship songs pod. Pero karon ni-improve na ta na natay quality nga camera nga kay naigigamit ang Ginoo nga person nga makapalit og camera para medyo, you know, professional looking ato ang service. And right now we have a social media team sa church. And you know what, ang mga members jud ani nga nga team, kay wala gyud sila background except for Pastor Mark, you know, from the scratch, good nisila and praise the Lord. Kani kalitra kahimung mga graphic designers and video editors, right? If you check ato ang page karon, if wala pa ka follow or like, please do, right? Nindut na kayo and improving kayo ang mga posts and please share as well, right? To bless other people and praise the Lord po sa ato mga faithful givers sa church. Luyo sa kalisun sa panahon, you still give sacrificially for for the Lord and for for us makapadayan to function. And also the gift of technology that we have now, in this time na difficult kayo to gather physically, God graciously provides us technology so that we can still connect with one another and thrive as a church. And I know there are so many things pa nagibuhat sa ginoo that gives us confidence that no matter what circumstances we are in, the Lord is always our good shepherd. So, so Christ um, is the head. Um, because he is our good shepherd. He alone is the good shepherd. And today we have the opportunity to share the Lord's Supper together. And please get your communion elements with you. And let me read to you Matthew 26, uh, 26 to 27. It says, While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, and saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Verse 27. 
Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. This sacrament reminds us of what Jesus has done for us, that as our good shepherd, he came to seek and save the lost sheep by laying his life down for us as his sheep. His body was broken and pierced for us. His blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. So in doing this, we remember the death of our good shepherd in the Lord's Supper. And not only that, we also eat and drink um, in anticipation of Christ's imminent return return we are to keep doing this even right now uh, we, without the physical presence of our lord until he comes and we can eat and drink on a renewed earth in the presence of christ forever as he promised so uh, as we prepare to celebrate the communion together let's have a humble and a thankful heart remembering his death and anticipating his imminent return let's pray jesus as we join together as one family in you to partake these elements that symbolizes your body and your blood we remember the pain you suffered for us that excruciating pain on the cross that took your own life just to save us from our sins thank you for your sacrifice and we cannot really fathom how wide how deep and how great is your love for undeserving sinners like us and we anticipate as well that as we sit at the t- table without your physical presence for now, we can joyfully know that it's only a matter of time, Lord, that until that changes when you come again. So in the light of what you've done for us, we come to you now to ask for forgiveness for any thoughts, words, or deeds that have not honored your name. Thank you that we can remember you, your your victory on the cross and on how you overcame death satan and hell for us and we can stand in that victory as christians in jesus name amen let's partake the elements Again, thank you so much, everyone, for your availability and commitment all throughout. And be excited next week because Pastor Mark will be kicking off a brand new series. It's not the usual or um, like the topical series that we bought this year, but it's actually a book study series. So exciting, Kayo. And I hope you won't miss the kickoff of, uh, of the series next week. So blessed Sunday and let me just end this in a word of prayer. God, we come to you today thanking you for your word that reveals kung kinsa judka and what you've done for us through the Lord Jesus. We cannot really comprehend why you have laid down your life for us and bestowed on us every spiritual blessings in Christ. But we thank you, Lord, for your love. You are indeed our only Savior and a great shepherd to whom we put our allegiance to. Following you, Jesus, is worth it because you have the best for us in your heart and you care so much. Now, if some of my brothers and sisters right now can feel nila that they've been abandoned by you or doubtful sila sa gugma, Lord, I pray that be their shepherd right now. May they be comforted sa presence. Remind them that you are a faithful shepherd who will never abandon your sheep. In fact, you are willing to sacrifice your life for the sake of your sheep. May this truth comfort them. And if you are the God who sees everything about us, help us to cast our cares, our struggles, our burdens to you because you know and see it even before we say it. And you are the God who delights when your children come to you. And help us to remember that you are the Lord, that you didn't just die for us, but you resurrected and ascended to heaven, seated on your throne with the Father, showing your authority over all things. And by this reality, uh, we live in humble obedience and dependence on you as the Lord of our lives and use us whatever bl- brings glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen.